Amen. Y'all may be seated if you haven't already. Woo. Prepare the way of the Lord. Come on. But are you ready to hear? Because that, li that lion's roar, that's God speaking. So that lion's roar is what changes us from the inside out. That lion's roar is what we submit to because he is the authority of all. Woo! Online, I just want to welcome you guys. Thanks for joining us. Village of Oak Creek, it's good to have you here. Gospel Rescue Mission, it's good to have you guys here. CFF, it's good to have you here. Come on. So, obviously, I'm not Dave. That's okay. You guys uh, get to hear me this morning, and uh, hopefully not, because really, uh, what I have to say is nothing that would be important to you. What Jesus has to say is everything that should be life-changing. And so I'm hoping that I can get out the way and you can see him clearly. And what we have this morning is an opportunity for us to grow together. Now, I just want to take a quick moment just as a piece of announcement Kids, like specifically our youth, if you haven't already realized there is a youth service that's happening midweek right now, 6 p.m. downstairs, y'all don't want to miss it. In fact, I'll tell you flat out that the reason that I'm here on this platform right now is because I had a midweek youth service that transformed my life because God moved in my heart when I was a teenager. It, this is the truth. God does things because we're open to say yes. But those opportunities are amazing. Don't miss out. It's, it's going to be a great time. It's more than just about spiritual growth, but it is definitely about spiritual growth. So, hmm. we've been walking through a series. Actually, well, Dave doesn't preach in, in series, obviously. But, but there's always a theme that tends to carry through. I don't know if you've gathered that or not. And, and it's been this moment that God has been speaking over and over again about spiritual growth, about us moving closer and closer and submitting more and more to what God has to say. And it culminated this last week. We had an opportunity to do something amazing, to participate together in, in baptism. And, and Pastor Dave shared with us um, a passage out of Romans chapter 6 where we look together at the way that God has called us and, and the way that he has moved um, and the way that we need to be crucified with Christ, that this baptism is a symbolization of the death to the old and the raising to life anew. And so that triggered some things in my brain that I'd like us to consider this morning. The concept that we're going to be discussing is how do we move from death to life? Because I think far too frequently we get caught in the middle of this and maybe we don't even know what this life is that we're supposed to be moving towards or this life that we're supposed to now live because what is life? See, I think for us far too frequently we get a little bit lost in, in what life might be. I'm going to turn this thing on so I can actually do what I need to with this. All right, so there we go. What do you got? Am I... Oh, my goodness. Hey, we're having fun. Woo! You got a show. Yeah, now we're having fun. That was not life. Okay. But what is life? 
See, throughout history, I don't think this question has been very, very confusing to many. In fact, life was kind of understood. We, we understood how to identify what life is, but I think far too frequently now, we're a little bit more confused as a society about what is life. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because we've got so self-centered that we don't even necessarily understand what God intended. But I mean, look, what is life? We, we are living in an age of artificial intelligence. Is that life? Well, some would probably try to argue that it is. Is it? Huh. But how interesting is it that we kind of in a way playing God trying to create something? I don't know. It, it's just interesting. So is artificial intelligence life? I mean, in our society, in our, we're a little bit confused here. We live in this place where we we determine that a child in a womb, no, that's not life. But, oh, we'll go, we'll go hunting Mars looking for a microbe saying that's life. I mean, how confused is that? But that's where we live. We, what is life? Wait, the kind of thing with it, we're so fascinated by these UFOs that are all over the place. Oh, that, look at this life. And yet we deny the concept that God wants to meet us and transform lives here, that we can have an interaction with the God of the universe that transforms. That can't be life. Hmm. Is life just our heart beating and us going another round around this sun? Or does life have a little more purpose? Does life have a purpose that is more? So we looked at this passage from Romans 6 and how it related to the spiritual truth of baptism. Um, and as we were living in this moment, watching this unfold, it, as people were saying, yes, Jesus has done something for me, and now I'm dying to the old and I'm being raised to new life. Oh, that was a beautiful moment. Did you get to experience that? Have you personally experienced this for you? Because the truth is that we're going to go look at this morning. How are we connected to the actual authentic life? And I'd like to encourage all of us to take a step to move a little bit closer, to connect a little harder to the truth. And that is Jesus is the one that transforms. He is the one that makes a difference. Hmm. See, I think far too frequently for myself, and I'm going to speak for me because I know my heart. I don't necessarily know all yours, but I'm going to guess that you might be very similar. I think far too frequently I live in this place of what I would call a hybrid Christian life. And I think far too frequently we move into this moment where we we want to hold on to the old life. We want to hold on to all the things that were us before Jesus. And we want to say, hey, that's who I am. And Jesus has called us into something new. He's called us into new life. And yet we still want to live both simultaneously. At least I do. Sometimes I want to say, well, that's just the way I am. You ever said that? But if we're living in this, that's just the way I am. Do you notice how we also set kind of standoffish to God when he says, hey, you know, this thing. I don't think that's good for you. And we say, yeah, but God, that's just the way I am. He's like, but that's not the way I made you. So we miss out on life because we're trying to live both and. In fact, Paul specifically tells us in Romans chapter 7, it's this whole concept of up and down, this, this, this moment of 
I do the things that I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. Who will free me from this body of sin and death? That's what Paul had to say in Romans chapter 7. But does that sound like your life? Far too frequently, that sounds like mine. And I think that's because we're living in this this mishmash of both the new and the old, and we're not willing to give up the old to live the new. Because even though our sins have been crucified with Jesus, maybe our old life has not been. If we want to live the new life, then we need to let the old die. Mm. And this is what brings us full circle. And, and as we were, we were in this moment last week, Jesus brought a different passage that's very similar to the Romans chapter 6 passage we talked about. It's from uh, Galatians chapter 2. Starting with verse 20, it says this. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Okay, so the old life is who I was before. It's been crucified with Christ. So now it's not me living anymore. But Jesus lives in me. So what does this bring us full circle to what is life? So this concept of life now is that Jesus is now living through us. So what is our source of life? Is it just our heart beating? Do we actually have more reason than this? Is there something that is purposeful in this? And how do we move from death to life? And I believe the answer for each of us is the very typical Sunday school answer. Jesus. Yes, I realize that's the Sunday school answer. It's far too simplistic, and yet it is profoundly true. So I want to encourage us to look at a passage that shows Jesus as being the source of life. See, Jesus very specifically demonstrated this in in the Gospel of John. And I'd like us to look at a passage in in the Gospel of John in John chapter 15. Just set this up a little bit. You'll notice throughout the New Testament, specifically in the Gospels, if you were reading your Bible, oftentimes like a paper Bible helps because then you're actually tangibly looking at it, you'll see the words of Jesus in red. The red letters of Jesus stand out as something different because this is something he had to say, right? So what is it about these moments of what Jesus had to say? It is profoundly, not only for his disciples, not only for the world in which he was speaking, it is profoundly for us. And so I'd like to look at what Jesus had to say about himself. In the Gospel of John, there are seven statements that he makes that are profound. Because Jesus started out by saying, I am. And then he would declare, this is who I am. Now, what does that hearken back to? If we look at when Moses was in the wilderness and he came upon the burning bush, he said, who are you? Who should I say that sent me? Tell them, I am sent you. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to put that on here. If you look at the Greek, it's actually very much the same that Jesus was saying, I am, saying, I am God, and this is who God is. So if we're going to be connected to the source of life, then we need to be connected to the source who gave life to everything. Ooh, I'm telling you. How often is it that we miss this, though? 
So Jesus declared himself to be God, describing to us the nature of God and the way that we can then have a relationship with him. So as we move into this passage, I'd like to encourage you, do you see yourself in this? And how do we move forward looking at the way that we can be connected to the source of life? John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5, is where Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he used one of these I am statements. So I'd like us to look together. This is from John chapter 15. It says, uh, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Huh. Boy, that's some strong words that Jesus had to say right there. And I think for us, we, we maybe don't believe that last line. Far too frequently we think to ourselves, yeah, but I can do something. But what is Jesus talking about here? Is he saying you can't, you know, get up in the morning, take a shower, get dressed? Apparently you've got to remember to pull your zipper up. But I mean, <laughs> is, he, is he really telling us that, you know, you can't do anything? Apparently I can't do anything, you know. But when it comes to Jesus, is he telling us that we can do nothing physical in this world, that we cannot even move or, you know, eat or whatever? We can't do things. Or is he telling us that spiritually, of an, a spiritual importance, we have the ability to do nothing that matters to the kingdom of God without him? See, that is the problem. We have a, a church that lives in atrophy because we are not connected to the source of health. And I don't mean this church specifically. I'm talking about the big C church globally. I'm saying that we are not living out the message called by Jesus to our world to make a difference because we are not connected to the source that is our only source of life. And sometimes we're just trying to do it. But I can promise you there is nothing eternal that happens without being connected to the source of life. So if we look together... This passage that we just looked at, I can realize that we oftentimes will get a little bit um, lost in this analogy because, hey, by a show of hands, how many people here uh, have a vineyard of your own? Nobody? Oh, well, me neither. Because, I mean, I've never grown grapes before. That's, that's really fascinating to me. I mean, there are certain places in this country that grow grapes a lot. And that would be wonderful. But that analogy that Jesus used sometimes gets lost on us, and it gets lost on me for sure. But I think there's some universally understood and common things that were to his disciples. As he was speaking this, they understood fully what he was saying because they had seen it. They probably even participated in being part of that process. So it wasn't anything that was like, huh, what does he mean by that? No, they understood we're like, what does he mean by that? So let's get to a point where we understand a little bit deeper so that we can move into this new life that Jesus has called us to. 
So the first thing I'd like you to see, there's, a, there's an image of a grapevine here behind me. Do you see this one? So the concept of the, the grapevine that is lost in many ways is what I discovered is that grapes are only produced, good grapes are only produced by very intentional and frankly aggressive pruning. In other words, you have to cut certain things away that you would even think, hey, there's healthy growth there. No, you have to cut that stuff away in order to produce good fruit. So this is something that is known to the time. It was known to his disciples. It was understood. So unless the dead is cut away and healthy buds are limited to just what they can handle and just what they can support, no good grapes will be produced. Well, not none, but just not nearly enough. So here's what I see, some spiritual truths as we pull out of this passage of what it means to us. And if we look at these spiritual truths, I hope it can help us move into life. How to be connected to the source of life and to recognize that Jesus is the only one that can. So here's what I see. The first thing is, in verses 1 and 2, we see in verses 1 and 2, it says, I'm the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do per, uh, bear fruit, so they will produce even more. Now, that's kind of one of those passages that feel a little scary. What do you mean you cut off branches? God, what are you, what are you talking about? What, you prune? You're going to actually cut me? What, what does that mean? See, the problem is pruning is painful, sure, but it's healthy. And I think for each of us, there are times in our life where we're like, God, I don't want the hard stuff. Give me the good stuff. Give me the easy stuff. Give me the things that I understand that feel good, that I, I want to feel your spirit, yes. But yeah, don't cut me. No, don't, don't cut those things out of me. And so we're... In, in some ways, inhibiting ourselves from healthy growth connected to the source of life because we're saying, yeah, God, I'm not willing to join you in this surrender, trust, and obey moment where you say this thing right here, that's not healthy. It's time for us to prune. Do you find yourself there? How open are you to the pruning of God in your life? See, I'd like to encourage us, if you want life, if you want to truly experience spiritual life that results in kingdom life, then I'd like to encourage us to lean into the pruning. Now, when we hurt, and when we're going through the pain of that process, a lot of times, what, we, what do we do? We distance. We push back. We're like, God, I don't, I don't like this thing. I'm like, I'd like to encourage us to do just the opposite to realize that the one who prunes is the same one that loves. And maybe we start leaning into that pruning and say, God, what is it you want to do in me? Let's, let's do it. Even if it hurts, let's do it. You say this thing is wrong, but I like that thing. But you need to give it up. <sighs> Come on. Okay. You love me. It's time. You want to have a life that is full of connection to the source of spiritual life, then it involves leaning into the pruning. So are there areas in your life that God is trying to cut away? Maybe it's some habits. Each of us have our own habits. 
Every one of us has our own things that we struggle with or things that we just do because we've always done them. And those are some of the ones that are the hardest when God says, yeah, that needs to go away. Ouch. Okay, God, I'm going to step into a moment of trust and obedience. Yes, I'm willing to give up even that which I have always done. Maybe an unhealthy relationship. Maybe somebody is intentionally pulling you away from God. And maybe there's a moment in your life where you need to just say, okay, God, that relationship isn't as important to me as you are, so I'm going to put you first. Maybe. Maybe there's a piece of pruning that needs to happen. Maybe in your life there is a God, a small g God. And now what I'm talking about is idolatry. Now, I'm not saying that you have this golden figure that lives in your house that you bow to every day, but how many golden figures live in our wallets? that guide our actions and we bow at the throne every day. See, these are the things. What is the most important? It's far too easy for things to become an idol in our life. And until we're willing to let God do the pruning of cutting these pieces away, then we are not effectively connected to the source of life. Do you want life? I'm asking because... There are times that I've said, maybe I don't. But there's a scary statement that he makes in the middle of this passage that says, well, then you're going to get cut away. You're not going to be connected to the source of life. You're just going to be tossed aside. Those are the kind of branches that ultimately get burned. I won't be burned. I don't know about you, but there's something that's to that that gives me a little bit of a pause that says, I need to be connected to the source of life because it's the only thing that gives me future. And it's the only thing that gives, me the, that gives me God. So surrender, trust, and obedience are those moments where we say yes to God's pruning. See, the other thing I see here, do you notice the vine is Jesus? Yes. But do you notice who the pruner is? Anybody? God. Yeah. God is the one that does the cutting away. Now, God, our Father, is important for us to understand his relationship with us. Because it's far too easy for us to look at him and say, oh, yeah, God is just this capricious, you know, he wants to bring about his judgment and his pain. Some of us have that impression of God. And do you notice that the, the view that we have of God the Father is oftentimes a little bit corrupted by the view that we had of our own Father that gets put on him? And some of us maybe live in this place where we don't understand the truth of who God is because we're a little bit broken by the truth of who our Father was. And I'd like to encourage you this morning to realize that the God that we serve, who is your heavenly father, wants to redeem father in your life. And I mean starting with him. He wants to show you what healthy discipline looks like. Discipline is one of those words that I think has far too much of a bad connotation to us. That's God bringing the stick. Yeah, sometimes. And why does he bring the stick? Because he loves me. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. Because sometimes I need a good swat in the butt to know what's the right thing to do. Because I'm thick in the head. Do you notice that God doesn't start with the stick? No, I'm serious. He starts with the whisper. He starts with a, yeah, don't do that. And then the voice gets raised a little bit. You really need to stop. This isn't healthy. And then it raises a little bit more. Mike, 
pay attention. And then sometimes it's the two by four. Because I'm stubborn as a mule. But for each of us, I am thankful for the discipline of God because that is a connection of relationship between God the Father and me. He only disciplines those he loves. So our intentionality to lean into that discipline and to allow him to do the pruning is healthy if we want to be connected to the source of life. Mm. And and again, remember that section of the passage where it talks about the branches being cut off and thrown away. I think it's important for us to understand that this is far more about being connected to the source of life than this is talking about salvation. We're not talking about those that are going to lose their salvation necessarily. I think we can get caught up in that a little bit and get stuck there. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, do you want to be connected to the source of life? Then be connected to the source of life. We have a portion in this. We have a choice to stay, to remain, to be connected. And if we are his, we don't have to wonder if we're part of it. Because if we are his, we are transformed by him. By those moments of surrender, trust, and obey. These are your connection point to the vine. It is the Holy Spirit turned loose to work in your life where you say, yes, this is how you stay connected. You want to be connected to the source of life? You want to live a life that is spiritually healthy, not only just in life, but to live out that life and produce the kingdom here? And maybe that's something we don't necessarily understand. Because, yeah, you know, I live my life, but are we really bringing about God's kingdom? Are we living out God's kingdom here in our world? Because only the spiritually healthy, only the life-connected people have the ability to live out God's kingdom that he talked about. Jesus talked about time and time and time again. Ah, so let's, let's continue back on here. So staying connected to Jesus is the key. More than anything else, staying connected to Jesus is the key because he is the source of life. This is what he told them. When he's saying he's the vine, he's saying everything that is life in you is from me. Now, it's more than just this passage that talks about Jesus being life. And I'd like us to look at a couple of those right now. First, uh, John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus told him, and he's talking to one of his disciples, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So that's John 14, 6 that he says this. Another one, we look at what John had to say in the first verses of his gospel. He is doing, he is giving this analogy, calling Jesus the word of God. That's a big phrase, a big title that talks about Jesus being in creation and part of it. It starts with this. It says, he existed in the beginning with God. That's what John had to say in verse 2. It says, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. So Jesus was the force of creation? That's what John is saying. The word gave life to everything. The word, Jesus. 
gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. So the same life that spoke into being that which did not exist before. That is the life we're talking about being connected to by being connected to the vine. How much are you living a life that is connected to the source of life? Do you find yourself to be there? Do you find yourself to be living this out? See, this statement that Jesus makes here in in verse 4 No, sorry, not verse 4. Verse 4 and 5, yes, verse 4 and 5. He says, if we remain in Jesus, it's not necessarily an if-then clause. In fact, what, what John says is very, or what Jesus said is very specific. He says as a command, remain in me. It's not, it's not a, oh, well, we're gonna have this negotiation piece here. It says, do this. Remain in me, and here's the flip side. I will remain in you. So you want to know what it means to have Jesus in you. Connect yourself to the source. Now this word that is used here, this Greek word that is used here, meno is the word in Greek. And and it's about um, being connected or abiding or living in him. So it's more than just staying somewhere. It's about choosing to make it your home. Choosing to make it your most important thing. Are you willing to be connected to the source of life by choosing to make Jesus the most important thing to you? Do we want life? Because that's what it takes to be connected to the vine. So how do we stay connected then? There's some mundane things. that This this is not even just, you know, we we have the little Sunday school answers. How do we remain connected to God? Well, it it happens for all of us. You know, we just, we sing songs. Okay, yes, we do. That's that's one of the ways we can connect to God is in worship. We, We read the Bible. Well, yes. Why do we read the Bible? Because it's the source of life. It is the words of life. It is Jesus speaking. So this is something that transforms us. We read the Bible. We pray. Why? Because it is a connection to the source of life. It is about a relational conversation between you and God. We listen. Oh, that one's hard. We're really good at talking. We're really good at telling God all that he needs to do for us. But how good are we at listening? I'm not sometimes really, really bad at it. But I'd like to encourage us that you want to be connected to this source of life, Jesus, then maybe we need to up these things in our life. The purpose of this connection to God is for God to accomplish his work first in us and then through us. So he wants to do something first inside of us that transforms us to be used by him for a purpose. Remember how we asked it earlier, does life have anything more than just beating hearts and going around the sun? You want to find purpose? Then you let him give you purpose. Life is found in trueness connected to the source of the vine that transforms us to be used for his. All right. Now, 
the truth is that God ultimately wants us, we see this in uh, a little bit farther on in the end of this section, we see that God wants us to spiritually do the same thing that he asked us to do in the garden. In the garden, he told man after he put him in the garden, he says, what? Be fruitful and multiply. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling us that God wants us now to go make a lot of babies, but what I am telling us, he, according to this passage where it talks about producing fruit, he wants us to be fruitful and to multiply spiritually. And I think that's part of what we as Christians maybe miss out on the concept of what it means. Because it's really easy to come in here on a Sunday morning to have our little spiritual inoculation and to go home and leave unchanged. You know why I say that? Because far too frequently, that's exactly what I did. It's only when we allow the word of God to transform us and then to be carried out of the doors of this place into our world that we make a difference towards the purpose he's called us to. So if we're going to live this out, what does it mean to be fruitful and to multiply? What does it mean for God to say, I want you to produce fruit connected to me because that's the only way you can produce fruit. And I think the first thing is for us to be connected to the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit starts with personal transformation And as we surrender, again, surrender, trust, obey. As we say yes to what he says, then we are connected to the source of life. So one of the very first things, if we look in a different passage, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, um, we see this spoken of. You've heard of the fruit of the Spirit before. This is one of the first fruits that happens inside of our life. This is the internal transformation that happens inside of us. It says this, uh, Paul says this in Galatians chapter five, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. There is no law against these things. Now, did Paul give us this list so we can start trying to accomplish these things and look like it? Uh-uh. Not at all. He didn't, he didn't say, these are the list of things that you need to start pretending to be. No, he said, if the Spirit of God is inside of you, then I will produce this fruit. In other words, God's transformation enables and makes these things be part of our existence. So in a way, this is the litmus test. This is to say, how much am I his? Do I look like this? If not, maybe we need to connect a little harder to the source. Because it's only in submission, trust, and obedience that we actually move towards the spirit having the right to transform. He always has the right, but whether we say yes is what he's limiting himself to. God wants to transform you from the inside out. Are you willing to say yes? So the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of God's work, and God's purpose is both for us in in, in the form of transformation. He wants us to make us the best version of us we can be, but he also wants to use that for the purpose of taking care of each other. So that transformation that happens inside of us is for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. That's us. 
But if we short circuit that process and not let him produce that fruit in us, then all we are is a branch with no fruit. How is that helpful? Well, it's not. Are you willing for God to do the transformation inside of you so that this body of Christ can truly be the body that Christ has called us to be? So we've been called to, <laughs> to bear fruit, and that first fruit starts inside of us through the Holy Spirit. The second fruit, the multiply part of this, because fruit is good, it's good, it's delicious, right? But sometimes that fruit has to hit the ground and become more of the same thing that it was, because it is also the seed that produces more, right? So he calls us to be fruitful and to multiply, and what I mean by multiply is exactly fulfilling the purpose that Jesus gave us. And I'd like us to look at a different passage. This is, you see this in the 28th chapter of Matthew. This is after the resurrection. This is at the end when Jesus is getting ready to leave earth. He's gathered his disciples together and he has the last thing that he wants to impart upon them. Do you think it was important? There's probably nothing more important to Jesus than the last thing he's going to tell them as he goes away. And this is what he had to say. Matthew 28, starting at, uh, let's see. Oh, there we go. I went too far. Starting at verse 18. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Heaven and on earth. So therefore, because I have the authority, therefore, Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you, always, even to the end of the age. Wow. Do you hear that? Jesus is not just saying that to, to Peter and to John and to James. He's saying that to you this morning. Because I think we like to distance ourselves. Well, that was for the disciples. We're disciples. We are the ones that were made by the disciples. And when he told us, he told them to teach us everything he commanded. And this is a command, which means guess what? It's for us. You want to know what it means to live out the spiritual life that is full of power? Then it is to carry out the multiplication that Jesus wants to do through you to your world. We have been called towards internal transformation that results in discipleship. Well, that's just what pastors are for, right? You know, that's been a twist in the mind of many. For, for centuries, honestly. And I think that's actually a brokenness that's been part of the church. Because the church say, hey, we hire somebody to do that thing. That discipleship thing, that, that's, that's, what, that's what pastors are for. And then the church lives out this lifeless existence because it doesn't recognize that the mission of the church is you. The mission of the church is to live out a discipleship model, which means we are to share what we know. To be witnesses to our world of what we have seen and what we have been told. Yeah, but that's scary. It is. But do you believe that the words of Jesus are life? 
Well, if they are, then why aren't we sharing them? Do we want our world to die? I know it's already going there. I mean, that's what we see. We see the brokenness all around us. But I think the church's inability to live out the commission of God on us is the brokenness that needs to be corrected inside the body of Christ. It is time for us to live out a method and a model of discipleship, which means we let God transform us first, and then we share that transformation with someone else. Church, you want to be connected to the source of life? Let's start living it. It's far too easy to just come in and sit and walk out the next day. It's time for us to start living out the call of Jesus to make disciples. Yeah, but I don't know very much. Okay, what do you know? I know that Jesus died for me and that he transformed me. Huh, sounds like you know a lot. Because that's the start. And I guarantee somebody else doesn't know that. Which means it's time for you to share what you do know. I don't know all of this. You're not being asked to tell about that. You're being asked to tell about what you know. And whose you are. How much different would this world be if the body of Christ starts living as Christ himself to our world? telling you, church, we don't want to miss out. You want to be connected to life, then let's start living out the mission that he's already given us. These are his very last words. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey. That's it. It's not complicated. It's very simple. It's also not easy. Just because it's simple doesn't make it easy. In fact, without him... We can do nothing. Oh, that's right. We've got to be connected to the source. Because he's not asking us to do this thing on our own. That's where we think we can't. I can't do this. You're right. He can. Through you. Christ living in me. Right? I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. That is the power to carry out this. He's not asking you to do it alone. He's asking you to join him. Let his transformation of you result in the world's transformation through him. Hmm. So, challenging question for us right now. Have you ever been discipled? Do you realize how few people in the church have ever gone through a discipleship process. They've never been come alongside someone else that has grown up ahead of them in the church and come alongside and let them pour into them. Because that's what discipleship is, is two lives walked alongside each other, encouraging to grow. Have you ever been discipled by someone? Because that's step one. Step two is, have you ever discipled someone else? Because that's what we've been called to. And I realize that's, that is a challenge. That is scary. But that is what life is about. You want to pass on the life of God? You want to be connected to the source? Then let's carry out what he's asked us to do. So here's my action steps for this morning. 
I'd like to encourage us to give opportunity for God to do something right now. And maybe the Holy Spirit's been talking to your heart this morning. I'd like to encourage you that now is the time for decision. Now is the time for action. Possibly when I talked about this hybrid Christianity where we have one foot in the world, we have one foot in Jesus, and we're trying to straddle the fence, maybe that's you this morning and you're saying, yeah, I don't know about this whole dying to the old kind of stuff. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to be a little bit Jesus in a little bit world. I'd like to encourage you this morning as the first action step to let that die. To put down that hybrid Christianity and live the new life in God. Second action step. This is another opportunity for God to be working through you and in you right now. What is an area that God is trying to prune? Has God been putting his finger on something in your life? And so far you've been saying, I don't know about that. Well, this one's easy. You've heard it before. Surrender. Trust, obey. Are you willing for God to do the cutting to help you grow? Third action step, what change do you need to make to prioritize your connection with Jesus? In other words, you want to be connected to the source. How are you working on that relationship with him? Are you getting in the word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you listening? Because that's the connection to Jesus. And the last one is, who do you need to invite into a relationship with him? Who do you need to start into the road of discipleship? Or maybe, who do you need to come alongside to disciple you? Because God is calling us into something now that is deeper. It is life. Now is the time to make that decision. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we recognize that you are Lord of all. We recognize that you have called us into something that is greater. You've called us into life in you that transforms first us and then our world. And Lord, we just simply ask that as we submit to that, that you will do the work that you do. Please don't let it pass us over. Help us to recognize that you are what we need more than anything else. We give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. Jesus, we know that this challenge that you've put ahead of us to do things that are very scary for us, we know that's a challenge you put ahead of us to, to live out the life that is in you is to do things that don't make a lot of sense. But Jesus, you are God. So put in our hearts someone. How do you want us to live this out? Guide us. We will follow. And Lord, if there's an area you need to prune inside of us right now, Holy Spirit, speak. And I pray that you will use those moments, those moments of, of connection to you, of surrender, trust, and obey to transform us. All of this, Lord, we ask in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, you have an opportunity. Go be the church. We love you.